Hey, this is Joe, and I'm the host of That High School Life. I'm an international school teacher in Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam. Each episode, I talk to a student, teacher, or a professional who shares their stories and insights into what high school is all about. Welcome to That High School Life. From Toronto, Ontario, for this episode anyway, this is episode four of That High School Life. This episode marks the second summer vacation episode, and if you haven't guessed already, That High School Life is talking to post-secondary school professionals about the importance of being prepared to make that jump from high school to college or university. The end of July is always an interesting time to watch in Toronto, uh, or any college or university town. Students from all of the world come to the city to get ready for the next few years of school. Toronto is home to 11 post-secondary institutions, from U of T, Ryerson, and OCAD in the downtown core, to schools like York University, Seneca, and Humber College, located elsewhere in the greater Toronto area. My guest today is John, a student services professional at a post-secondary institution here in Toronto. Uh, John, thanks for joining the podcast today. Thank you for having me here. Yeah, no problem. Um... Well, I guess before we jump into like the the big part of this, can you can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Okay, uh, a bit about my background. Uh, started teaching in a high school about uh, ten years ago, so taught five years. I was a science teacher. Uh, I did a bit of uh, religion teaching because I was at a Catholic school, and then I actually moved into a era known as student success. And essentially, that was working with students who were uh, who failed courses and missed these courses for various different reasons. Uh, my role was to help them catch up on their course, and so students may have failed, let's say, three courses, and help them catch up on those courses. Uh, so I did that for five years. Um, started getting interested in in some research and assessment. So I took the year off to do my masters in education. Uh, during that time, I, uh, while I was in school, I got connected with a, uh, a college um, uh, administrator who then was looking for some extra science teacher help. So I was doing both at the same time, uh, which then led to a job in college known as also as student success, but that was helping first-year students transition into uh, college programs. And I did that multiple different uh, programs in the school for about four and a half years. Okay, so you can see why I pulled you in for this interview today. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. This is pretty cool. John, now that you've shared a little bit about yourself, can you also uh, tell me a little bit about what you do uh, presently in your day-to-day? Okay, yeah, so in our day-to-day, in the Student Success Program, we uh, we basically do several different parts. So we run a mentoring program, so to help with first-year transition, our, our program developed a mentoring program where you have an upper year student uh, mentoring a group of first year students. And this could range from anything from the uh, academics, so certain courses that are really difficult. Uh, they'll run special learning groups for that. Uh, on top of that, there is the more social uh, integration side of joining a new college. So you have students who are from different cultures, different regions of the city, even international students who are not used to the uh, college atmosphere or environment, and their role is to help them with that transition too. So that's one part of our um, portfolio of supports for first-year students. Uh, the other part is that we work with uh, the faculty members uh, who 
at times when students are struggling, they will help flag them, and we have multiple different ways of doing that, but basically they will either tell us or they will send us an email or whatnot about some students that are struggling, uh, and then we will connect with those students and hopefully develop some sort of uh, special learning plan uh, to help them adjust, or in some cases, if there's something in their own personal life that's happening, connect them with the proper resources to do that, uh, to get the help that they need. And then on top of that, we also run other uh, support services or connecting with the college type of programs, um, depending on what type of program uh, we're working with. So let's say a nursing program supports look a lot different from, let's say, a early childhood education. So it's usually customized support. So yeah, we're running all that, juggling in, in different ways, different shapes every single day. So no, no day is usually the same, uh, at least in this role. So you've told me what you do in your day-to-day -day, um, and how you work with students, but this podcast, That High School Life, it's also for uh, teachers, really. Um, you know, we talk about uh, issues that affect teachers. Um, and one of the, this question that I've got for you coming up focuses on international school teachers. Um, is there any particular advice that you can give to international school teachers who are helping students, you know, in an international school setting, um, make that transition or prepare for that transition? Yeah, great question. Um, so actually, a couple years ago, uh, and mind you, this will be through the Ontario uh, uh, education context, uh, but we had, I think, about one point, like 15 uh, Toronto District School Board uh, science teachers once come in uh, to get a um, a walk through the, the, the college, they had a chance to see the different works, and they had me and another specialist come in to talk about uh, what is that transition like. And the one thing that we stressed on them actually um, was the volume of work. So what I mean by that, it's, it's not just about the amount of tests going on, but it's like the amount of content that they have to learn in one week. So once again, going from the Ontario context, we have our applied students that go often are funneled towards the college uh, level courses and then you have the academics funneled often to the university level uh, programs. From my experience taking science classes in university and seeing the volume of work that a first year um, science in a college program, uh, the amount of work is almost identical. So like they were going through in a given week let's say uh, ballpark number, let's say 50 slides. Mm -hmm. So per slide is usually two to three ideas. So there's like 50 to 150 different concepts that they're learning in this one class. And for one of the programs I've worked with that was very entry level, um, the amount of work they had, so it would be like, let's say almost like six, seven courses that they were taking. You compare that to university level program, they're actually often only about maybe four to five uh, courses. They're, they're not as compressed because the timelines are stretched a lot right. more. So you have like a four-year university program versus just a one-year program where they cram everything together. So yes, university, it is more complex. The theories are uh, uh, much more complicated and they start at a much further level in the university level course, but in the college level, they slam a whole lot of information. And back to that story about the TDSB teachers that we met with, um, they were shocked about the amount of uh, work that uh, a first-year student would have. And I remember one of the quotes when the students, uh, when the teachers said, and I asked, like, well, what do you think about like this, this big amount of change of difference in work? And 
they were saying that they were underpreparing a lot of their students. So the reality is you have to think of it as like the average, and you can see this online with any college program, they'll show all their courses, usually six and some courses, eight courses, not, to, uh, not including uh, a lot of college programs have placements going on at the same time, a lot of practical work, because that's a big thing for colleges. Um, when you pull that all together, if you think about the average um, grade 12 student, you know, let's say in a, in a program that is like a one semester program with four different courses going in a semester, you know, often in your last year, you may have like one spare. So you're taking like three courses. And I'm pretty sure in that th like one of those courses, they're not learning 150 concepts in a week. Mm -hmm. Like it is, it is just astronomical how much they have to learn. So if there's anything that uh, these teachers have to prepare for is the volume of work and and it's um, the number of courses, the number of assessments, and helping students learn how to juggle all of that. So all the time management stuff is uh, extremely, extremely important. So yeah, volume, time management um, is one thing you teach students how, uh, what to do. Okay, good. Um, well, I, I guess let's flip that on its side now. Um, <clears throat> one of the things I often tell students is that the pace of post-secondary courses um, increases and based on what you've said or you know from the teacher's perspective would you say that that's also a fair statement for the students like they, they will have much more work oh yeah for sure so um so let's say the pace of one class so on average a lot of college classes are just like the university model so you're talking about like a three-hour class and and this isn't like your normal like three-hour um high school class where and, and this is my opinion and my experience high school teaching is one part you're teaching content but you're trying to also like make it as fun as possible for the students that's not a priority for for college college is that we need to prepare you for a certain role a certain job so there is a lot of information that you need to know and there's not a lot of time um, so that when, when you say pace yeah you're going through one week one class that's three hours you have to learn let's say make it really let's say 50 different things but the next week, without a doubt, um, it picks off where those last 50 ideas ended. And so they keep on building on, on each other. So anatomy is a perfect example, where you, you may the first uh, day learn I don't know, all the different bones, then after you learn the bones, you're learning what the muscles are on top of that, and the week after that, you're listening, you're learning about the nerves that innervate those muscles. So everything kind of layers on top of each other. Mm -hmm. You fall behind one week, um, you don't have that same like safety net where when you're in high school, you know, you see the teacher day in and like, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Mm -hmm. So if you didn't get Monday, at least you can talk to them on Tuesday and get that support. Versus in college, it's like three, you got your three hour class and if you don't review it yourself, you won't know that you're behind. And then you won't know and then when you get to the next class, you're like, Well, I just really didn't understand it. Well the reason why you didn't understand it because you missed a class before. Now we're three, four weeks in and you're really, really behind. So uh, the pace is a lot faster. So we always use like a, uh, one of the things we always taught our students was like a one week cycle. So you, you basically by Sunday, you need to be able to explain what you have learned that week. And if you can't teach it, that means you don't really understand it. Um, so that is your, your way of understanding, are you keeping on pace? So that's why study groups are so important because mm -hmm. it forces you to study, like to basically explain what you know to someone else. And if you can't articulate it, that means you don't get it. So that if you're talking about pace, yeah, if you can every week check your pace by explaining to someone else, you got it. If you don't, then you're you're behind. Time to go back. Time to go back. Okay. Yep. 
Uh, well, okay, let's build on that one more one more time. Um, so, what would you say is the best way to prepare for this increased workload? Uh, because you know, going into grade twelve from grade eleven, you kind of have an idea of what it, what the pace is going to be like. But grade twelve to whether it's college or university, that gen- that tends to be a bit of a monumental jump where it's like, oh my god, what have I gotten myself into? Yeah. So okay. There is the academic side of me and the social side kind of conflicting with me <laughs> right now. So the academic side would say that you want to take all, let's say, let's say, well, actually, in your school, how many courses do you have to take for a semester? First semester, students can take up to a maximum, it's five or six, probably five, let's say five. Let's say five. Okay, so then if you're thinking, like, if I'm pre- like thinking of preparing a student best for uh, the next year is that you probably want to take five courses and you want them all to be of um, college or well depending on where you I would even say that if you want to go to a college program in in uh, Ontario even they should be at the university level because the volume of work is a lot higher mm-hmm. and that's why that's why I got to stress it's just the amount of information so you'd want to take five classes that are um, of a certain difficulty level and and do that for like your last two semesters. That gets you most prepared. Mm-hmm. Is that realistic? Probably not. The social side says no way. <laughs> you know, take a take a spare here and there and really enjoy your last years right. of high school, right? So you got you got to balance the two in between. You also have to take into consideration that you want to pick courses that obviously give you uh, a bit of a um, like a few easier courses help mm-hmm. use your average so when you apply. So I get that whole concept too, but you need to be have you need to have a full slate of work uh, in terms of school. And I would also suggest that you are participating in either two extracurriculars that of like medium um, uh, workload or one really encompassing uh, extracurricular activity. Because um, that will teach you the balance all the work you have at the same time. So like really it's like you need to turn yourself into a workhorse. Like you don't want to be going into that first year being like, okay, now I'm ready to work. Cause it's just like, you would never do that for a workout. Mm-hmm. Like you wouldn't just be like taking gym classes and then come September, you're like, okay, now I'm training for an Ironman triathlon. <laughs> you don't do it like that. So it's the same, you would, you would not doing any differently for any sport or exercise. You shouldn't do it any different for your mind. So you got to keep on packing the work. Uh, increasing your uh, work capacity or mental work capacity. Okay, uh, socially now, how how do, <laughs> how do how do you how do you prepare socially? How do you prepare socially? Um, good question. Uh, you can never predict the students that will be a part of your program. So I've I've been lucky enough to work with first year programs for the past four and a half years, and um, no group is really the same. You can't predict that. So. Um, what you really need in the end is like a social group that you can depend on. And, and, and just from a pragmatic point of view, just for the study groups that we we're just talking about, like you need people mm-hmm. to bounce ideas off of. Secondly, you need support. It's, it's not easy. Um, you know, misery loves company. So you need people <laughs> around you who are, are going through some of the same issues. So to socially prepared, um, I always tell a lot of students, like if you have the time, if you have the spare time, um, try and do extracurriculars. A uh, little bit easier done in university. University have a lot more free time. Um, and like I said, college, I'm pretty sure has a lot more overall work you have to do. And I've had university students come back, do college programs and say the exact same thing. 
So if you're in the university, you have more free time on your hand, that's a chance to really explore, do extracurriculars, be involved in your school in any shape or form. That connects you with other people in your program or, or even uh, older students in other program and you get a nice support family going on. So socially, it's all about like finding things that you really enjoy to do uh, on your own time and turning that into an extracurricular activity um, is probably one of the best things you will ever do for yourself. And I did that for my, uh, when I was in uh, university as well. So I was, I was pretty lucky. I, one way or another, got um, included into some cheerleading program and <laughs> it, you know, friends laughed at me at, at first, but it became the like lifeline support system mm -hmm. for me uh, through my years. So uh, extracurriculars really important. Good. And you know what? I think that takes us into, that, that's actually a good setup for our next question. Um, so, like you mentioned, uh, community is important, uh, but for a lot of students, especially first year and first year international, uh, being in a new environment, you know, it, it means getting used to new stuff um, and workload's only a part of that. Uh, so we're talking people, places, routines, and, you know, sometimes it's easy to feel overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. um, is this something you notice or have noticed? In terms of students' routines being? Uh, just in terms of students in general. Like, um, do you ever notice students come to you and saying, I feel overwhelmed because, uh, because of all these new things? Yeah, uh, actually that's probably um, the main reason why they come to see us. So it's, you know, you're, you're, never, you're never fully prepared for this, right? Like when you, when you go to a new environment, uh, new workload, new people, in many cases you're on your own for the first time, um, that's a lot of new uh, stressors in your life. So um, yeah, students come in for those same reasons all the time and you know, this is just my opinion, but um, I do believe in routine. Like your own lifestyle routine is centers you wherever you are. So it doesn't matter if you're you know, on a vacation, if you're uh, traveling at home or in a new school environment is that your, your routine is gonna give you the structure to, to get through that day. And so um, when all these new stressors are coming in, um, if you have a good routine or lifestyle routine, it helps you navigate those. It's the ones that come to me are just like, like, oh, I, I, like, I got here late today. I don't know what's going on. These classes are confusing. I can't find this, that, and the other thing, just like completely lost. Um, so one thing that does help with that, and I think most programs do have like a, a first year like a toolkit. Um, so when you start your first year, they'll say like probably there's a bunch of admin things you need to do before you start, um, like housing, um, like food or whatnot, like that becomes your Bible. That, that's usually been um, used or it's been uh, built on year after year after year of different issues that happen. I know we worked on something like that as well. Um, so usually a pretty comprehensive list of what you need to get done and, and that helps center you around like uh, a lifestyle routine that mm -hmm. you need to get through because yeah, it, 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 is, it is overwhelming and um, depending on like I, I could assume that students who, um, who go to boarding schools are probably well better prepared but if you, you know, you're raised at home, um, everything's pretty uh, comfortable, it can be uh, jarring. Going off that last question, in your experience, uh, what are the biggest challenges that international students or just first year students in general uh, might face in getting used to their new surroundings? Well, actually, that's two different 
actually kind of good that you put uh, international versus uh, native students as two different categories because it, it is a bit of a transition mm -hmm. for both. So um, I know at least for the international students, um, getting all your um, like personal affairs in order is one of the problems I've seen. So students coming in a couple days before the first day of school, um, not really understanding what they've gotten into um, is a surprisingly um, uh, a surprising issue I've seen uh, more often than not. So, um, like having really done your research and knowing what program you've got yourself into, what are all the expectations that you need to be in the program? Um, from an international standpoint that we've seen, like making sure that your English is up is is on par the programs you're going into because some come have come in with um, really weak English and it makes it a struggle to be uh, successful in the program um, so yeah for especially for an international student first um, is getting everything uh, in terms of home uh, home finances really figured out uh, beforehand is, is, is important and probably try to come in if you can a few weeks before to get acclimatized environment um, if you're like a native student or at least um, if you're an international student who has um, a strong English background, uh, then it's really getting used to the culture. And, and I think that's the first kind of transition thing that you need to do. Um, the pace of life, the students, the social systems that are in the school, um, depending on what type of school you go to. So our college is, often, is, a, is a big commuter school. Mm -hmm. So that is culturally a lot different because you have students that basically come in quickly, get their work done, and they leave. Uh, compare that to some universities where it is uh, all students live on campus and residence, then it's really navigating and finding your own group of friends that you feel comfortable with because you need to start like your own little community there. So um, I would put even more, st more stress on that for, for those types of students. Great. Uh, Last question. Sure. Uh, rewind back to high school. How long has it been? Uh, well, great question. I <laughs> you don't have to tell me. But yeah, <laughs> I graduated 01. 01, so 18, so 17 years ago. Woo! Jeez, oh, 17. Okay. So, uh, if you can remember that far back. Uh, so rewind back to high school. What's, um, what's something that you yourself uh, would have done to better prepare yourself for, uh, you know, your post-secondary experience? <laughs> uh, uh, time machine. You know, it's funny you say that. So uh, even though I'm working right now, I'm also in school. Uh, and as an adult going back to school, it's a much different game. And like, I find myself doing the extra readings. I find myself um, like not just getting work done, but getting work done, getting, sorry, getting work done with intent. Like it's not just an essay, but more like what does this topic mean to <laughs> me and what am I trying to express or research or figure out? Um, so if I were to really look back and say what you need to have going into high school or going into to post-secondary is you have to have a good reason why you're going to program. There, there has to be some sort of fire or passion of interest driving you. Because um, if you got that, you, you know, the, the program that you're part of may not necessarily lead to a, to a job. Um, so you know, I'm, you know, I've had some friends take some programs that are really obscure that you're pretty sure 
would not exist anywhere else but in universities. But when, when they were so passionate about it, they were able to do so much great work within that framework, the program, that those skills that they gained from that, they could leverage to another job. So um, being passionate and being just basically just really interested in what you are learning um, is the most important one. I was pretty lucky. I was also interested in what I was learning in, um, in university. Um, Unfortunately, some as we were talking about before, uh, the volume of work mm-hmm. was too high for me to uh, to take. So I actually failed out of like a couple programs, um, and I loved it. And and I've, I tell friends about this. Like I had never had so much fun failing, because <laughs> um, like I remember I had this one like neurobiology course, and it's just like showing all these different ailments that you have and the reason why you can't feel your left fingers because of this nerve in your arm that's connected this part in your spine. I was like, oh, this is so crazy. This is amazing. I can't remember all of this, but I'm really fascinated when I'm learning all of this. Um, so that at least drove me and I, and I kept on learning, which led to my, some of the other uh, programs that I went into. But like, when you have that, uh, school makes sense. It's when you lose that intent, then you're, it's just like those, those um, for example, again, like a person going to the gym and just gets on like the thigh master or the buns of steel, mm-hmm. those back and forth, just like they're just going through the motions. They're not like thinking of you know what they're trying to do, or maybe they are. Who knows? Um, but yeah, so I would I would go back. Well, actually, I did have back then, but I would I tell a lot of students like you you got to have a good reason why you're in this program, and some of that means something to you per, on a personal level. Um, from there, everything else can work itself out from from there. John, I got to say thanks for coming into the podcast today. It's been really helpful hearing from you. Um, and I hope that this is something that both the teachers and students who are listening to this, if there are any, um, I, hope it's something <laughs> I hope it's something that they can learn to. So again, thank you for coming in. Thank you for having me. All right, so that wraps up episode four of That High School Life. Next time you tune in or next time you download this podcast, we'll be uh, coming at you again from uh, good old Saigon. And we'll talk to you soon. Have a good one. <laughs>